0: Welcome to PwC's Next in Health podcast. I'm Ben Isger, leader of PwC's Health Research Institute. And today we have Trina Tzeros with us, who leads HRI's Regulatory Center. Hi, Trina.
1: Hi, great to be here.
0: Thanks for joining again, Trina. And we've got a couple of things we wanted to cover today, mainly around vaccines and variants. And all of our listeners know that a third vaccine has now entered the market. So what's the story on the third vaccine that's going to be added to the two that are already out?
1: Yeah, so this is this is an exciting time, actually. Over the weekend, we had an emergency use authorization issued by the FDA for a third COVID-19 vaccine. And as our listeners have heard, I am sure it is a one-dose shot. And it is just as effective as the other two vaccines at preventing severe COVID-19 and, and death. So it's really, really effective at sort of the preventing the worst outcomes of COVID-19. It's vaccine efficacy overall meaning its ability to prevent moderate to severe disease was about 66% at 28 days. Overall, these data are from a about 43,000 person phase three trial that was conducted in Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Mexico, Peru, South Africa, and the U.S. So this is the result of this enormous trial. There's another trial being conducted of the same vaccine phase three trial to two-dose regimen, and that is going on right now in Belgium, Brazil, Colombia, France, Germany, Philippines, South Africa, Spain, UK, and the U.S. So. This company is working on looking at whether a two-dose regimen might also be effective or looking at how effective it is. But as of now, the vials of this vaccine are rolling out uh, across the U.S. And we expect to see, I think they're thinking 3.9 million doses right away. And then that will rise up to 20 million total by the end of March for the U.S. And then eventually 100 million single-dose vaccines to the U.S in the first half of this year. So that should really help explode the supply of vaccine in the United States overall. You know, in some some states, that has been the concern that there hasn't been enough supply. We've really ramped up the ability to put shots in arms. We have a lot of people who want shots in their arms. We just need enough shots to go into arms. And now it looks like with this addition of this third vaccine and the other companies ramping up their supply, that we will have enormous number of shots being able to put into the arms of people who want them there. Well, I know one of
0: the questions that comes up a lot when it comes to vaccine efficacy is really parsing the numbers from the trial data in terms of who got sick and at what level of sickness were they protected or not protected. I mean, there's all those questions out there. And I know you have a lot of numbers in front of you, but could you walk through with this third vaccine what that efficacy looks like? How does that break down?
1: Yeah, so the vaccine efficacy for this vaccine against severe and critical cases of COVID-19 at 14 days after folks got their shot was 76.7% and 85% at 28 days after receiving the shot. Pretty remarkably, there were only two hospitalizations in the vaccine group between 14 and 28 days. And after 28 days, there were none deaths, there were none in the vaccine group as of February 5th, 2021. So that's kind of the last time they looked at the data and published it. There were seven in the placebo group as of that same date. So this vaccine, looking at the data from this large trial is very effective at preventing severe and critical cases of COVID-19, preventing hospitalizations, preventing deaths. If you look at different age and demographic groups, the numbers hold in those groups. It doesn't look like it matters how old you are, what your race and ethnicity is. This trial did enroll proportionate numbers of Black Americans, Hispanic Americans. So that also is a real boon to this trial that we know we have a good look at, at how it works for different groups. Adverse events, there was a higher rate among those 18 to 64 than those 65 and over, but overwhelmingly all the side effects were mild. So it looks like this vaccine is very safe, very effective, especially against severe disease. And that's why the various groups that have looked at the data recommended to the FDA and then to the CDC that it be okayed for distribution in the United States.
0: Well, Trina, let's get behind the numbers a little bit and talk about what the efficacy looks like relating to variants. And variants are something that you've spent some time on with us on this podcast. So what does this new vaccine look like in relation to variants?
1: Actually, this is some of the most interesting data in some ways in what's been released, at least to me. I guess the vaccine efficacy overall is the most important data that they released, but What they did, what this company did, which was very interesting, is they sequenced a good number of samples taken from people in their study. And what they found was that in the U.S., 96% of the sequenced cases were identified as SARS-CoV-2 Wuhan H1 variant D614G, which is a mouthful. D614G is a variant that has been circulating. I think last summer was when we started hearing about it. Scientists think it's perhaps a bit more transmissible, but it really didn't come with any enormous consequences that, that we know of yet. So that's the majority of the sequences done in the US were that one. In South Africa, 94.5% of the sequence cases were. B1351, which is a variant that is thought to be more transmissible and is of concern. It's a variant of concern. And in Brazil, 69.4% of the cases that were sequenced were P2 and 30.6% were D614G. So what you have in Brazil, the cases in Brazil, was P2, which we don't actually know a whole lot about. And in South Africa, it was B1351. So if we just look at South Africa, and knowing that almost all of the cases were B1351, the question you can ask is well, okay, how did this vaccine do against that? Because this is one of those variants that we're worried about. And what they found was that in South Africa, the vaccine efficacy against moderate to severe or critical disease was at 28 days, 64 percent. In the U.S., if you just look at the U.S., where most of the sequences were D614G, you have an efficacy, vaccine efficacy at 28 days of 72 percent. Notably, the vaccine efficacy against severe and critical COVID-19 at 14 and 28 days were similar in South Africa, Brazil, and the U.S., And what that says to me is that for severe and critical cases, so these are the ones that will either make you extremely sick, land you in the hospital or lead to death, that the vaccine was generally equally effective, no matter if you were have a case from D614G, B1351 or P2. And so I think that is extremely interesting. And it is one of those pieces of data that scientists will be looking closely at.
0: Well, let's change our aperture and switch to a little bit of a different topic that relates, and that is the vaccine supply. Third vaccine hitting the U.S. market or will quickly be hitting the U.S. market. So what does that mean for supply overall?
1: Yeah, so this is the beginning of a period that I would say marks a time when we will see an enormous expansion in supply of vaccine in the United States. Manufacturers have promised To supply enough shots to cover 130 million people through March in the United States. So that is the two mRNA vaccines and this brand new one that was just authorized over the weekend. After that, we will have, again, an explosion in supply with enough vaccine by the middle of the summer to cover 400 million people in the United States. In other words, the entire population. We have seen over the last few weeks a lot of activity in trying to expand our ability to put shots in arms, make vaccines more accessible to more people, to address some of the inequities that have become very clear in recent data published. And then we have a good number of people who are just waiting their turn. They want to be vaccinated. We have a substantial slice of Americans who don't want to be vaccinated or who are hesitant, but we still have millions and millions of people who are just waiting for their chance. And so now we have this expansion in supply and that should mean that our vaccination efforts will speed up in the next few months and that access to vaccine will rapidly grow. The last piece, will be over the summer trying to get folks who are worried about being vaccinated, who are hesitant about being vaccinated, who haven't been able to access the vaccine, getting them vaccinated, convincing them. And then we'll be left with the percentage of Americans who just will not get the vaccine no matter no matter what you say. And there will be a percentage of Americans that will take that position and who will not get vaccinated. But the aim is to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as possible. And over the next few months, that situation should change substantially.
0: Well, for our final topic today, I thought we could maybe take a little bit of a look ahead in terms of where this all goes, especially as it relates to some of the variants you were talking about. Will we see modifications and or boosters to these vaccines going forward?
1: Yes, I think all of the companies that are working on vaccines are taking the variants into consideration. So the variants are just a feature of this type of virus. This type of virus constantly mutates, makes mistakes when it is replicating itself on purpose. It's part of its design. And what that does is it gives it a chance to have an accident that is helpful to it. Many of those changes are neutral, don't do one thing one way or the other. Some of them hurt the new variant's ability, um, its fitness, and some make it more fit, more able to transmit, more able to, to spread. And so this is just part of viruses, many different kinds of viruses, and vaccine makers know this. And so they are working on strategies to deal with this change because some of the variants might be able to escape the immunity created by these vaccines. And so what do you do about that? Either you update your vaccine to take care of variants and to be effective against emerging variants, and you do that maybe every year you give a booster or a new vaccine that is designed for that variant, sort of like what we do with the flu shot, which gets updated every year. So the FDA just released updated guidance, it just updated its guidance to include an explanation of how it would review SARS-CoV-2 vaccines modified to address emerging variants. And the upshot of all this is that they are not going to require vaccine makers who already have a vaccine that has been authorized by the FDA or approved to do whole new giant clinical trials. Instead, it will require a bunch of different kinds of data including non-clinical data from animal models, clinical data from an immunogenicity study, a booster study, assays for assessment of immunogenicity endpoints, and some other information. But you will not, if you're a vaccine maker, you will not have to make a whole new clinical trial with 40,000 enrollees in order to get a modified vaccine approved or or authorized. And so that is very good news for vaccine makers. And it's also good news for us because those trials take a long time. And if you wait to have them conducted, you know, these emerging variants might have emerged into something else. So this is very good news. And the FDA released its updated guidance recently recently letting vaccine makers know this.
0: Let's hang on that last statement. There's some good news there, both the third vaccine that we'll be seeing throughout the United States soon as well as some real planning and efforts into addressing the new variants that we are seeing as well. So that's all good news and we appreciate you bringing that to us and breaking down those very complicated subjects for us kind of a, a science for non-science majors, if you will. so thank you Trina. My pleasure. Well, if you want to get more information like you're hearing here, in fact, we have a new report out about what pharma might expect from the FDA and CMS. So, if you want to get behind some of these numbers into the details of what's happening from a policy level, from an innovation level, you can find all this information and more on our website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. And this has been Next in Health.